Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. How much of a kicking have new stamp duty rates given to the buy-to-let market? How can you get your daughters, or your sons for that matter, interested in the stock market? And would you like some free financial advice? Hundreds of financial planners are offering free sessions for new customers this week. Is it worth going along to one? Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, and I'll be giving you the week's money news in downloadable form with help from my FT colleagues and columnists. From April of this year, new tax rates will apply to anyone buying a second home. This means an additional 3% rate of stamp duty is being applied to landlords purchasing buy-to-let properties, and early indications show transactions have fallen sharply since the changes. But there are other pressures looming for buy-to-let investors too. What will happen to the market? I'm joined in the FT studio by James Pickford, Deputy Editor of FT Money, who's been investigating. James, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure. Why are buy-to-let investors under so much pressure right now? Well, it's not only the stamp duty uh, changes that came in in April. There are two other things coming down the track that uh, people are a bit worried about. There's the loss of tax relief on mortgage interest payments, which will start coming in, would be phased in steadily from 2017 and will come into full effect in, in 2020. And this will potentially hit profits of mortgage landlords quite hard. But also there's a move from the Bank of England to regulate the way lenders underwrite buy-to-let loans. The Prudential Regulation Authority of the Bank of England is consulting on this at the moment. And you know, all lenders do already when they, when they decide whether to lend, they look at whether the rent that's likely to come from the property mm. will more than cover the mortgage interest payments because they want a little bit of a buffer in case of any interest rate shocks or let's say you, you don't have a tenant for a few months, you need to know that you can pay the mortgage. And they usually set that at 125%, but there's quite a lot of flexibility about that. And what the bank wants to do is say, no, it's got to be 125%. And they also want to set the, to sort of stress test it at a rate of 5.5%, which is at the upper end of what lenders would do. But the problem is some lenders have actually looked at this and said, well, I tell you what, we're going to go even further. We're mm. going to say it's got to be 145%, the relationship between rent and, and the monthly interest payments. So the effect of that is quite dramatic. 
Well, how is this affecting sums for the average landlord? Are they being priced out of different markets? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So if you look at the average rent that you're likely to achieve in a particular local authority against general property prices there, suddenly, if you whack it up to 145%, it becomes impossible to make those sums add up across a whole swathe of local authorities, particularly in these buy-to-lets, the traditional buy-to-let hotspots of London, the South East and the East of England. Where could buy-to-let investors go then in search of a market where the sums will add up for them? Well, some research that we've done with HomeTrack, the housing market analysts, suggests that across the north of England you can still make these sums work at loan-to-value ratios of 75%. That's the threshold they've, they've calculated it at. So there are cities like Manchester and Leeds where there's already quite a bit of growth in buy-to-let. But there are other places where you have to be obviously very careful to make sure that there is going to be sufficient demand and that housing is not already oversupplied in those areas. Well, yeah, the further away you're going, you know, the higher the risk will be for Absolutely. And your relationship with your property, you know, if it's in, in your own pack, you're much more likely to be able to keep an eye on it. Um, the further away you go... You're more reliant because in most cases, people will hire a letting agent to look after the property. You're reliant on it's a big relationship of trust with that letting agent. Will they take their fee and just neglect your property? How will you know? You know, you, There's a big risk there. And another cost if you're paying them to manage it for you. But what are the other options for landlords who are listening? Well, there are several. Some of them would say, well, all this means is that people are going to put up the rents that they propose to charge on their properties. But obviously a lender would take their own view as to what rents are sustainable in a particular authority. So that's not entirely a solution. Okay. The other one is to buy not as an individual, but as a corporate within a corporate vehicle. So mm. you set up a company and buy the property that way, because that gets you back for most lenders, that gets you back to 125%. And it also allows you to claim tax relief on mortgage interest, which as an individual, that you don't face that phasing out that individuals are going to face over the next four years. The other thing that people are doing is looking for more income. So they're investing more in what's called homes for multiple occupancy. Uh, HMOs. Exactly, HMOs. So they will buy a home and perhaps put in a couple of ensuite bathrooms and rent out these homes to more than two or three people, which obviously raises the income that you can get from that. Well, thanks very much there to James Pickford, Deputy Editor of FT Money. You can read FT Money's cover feature, Where Next for Buy to Let, this weekend as part of the Weekend FT, or online from Friday at ft.com slash money. How can you get your children interested in investing in the stock market? This was the poser that one of our readers asked our veteran investment columnist John Lee last week, and the article has generated quite a stir with many of you responding with your own experiences and ideas. Here to discuss them with me in the FT studio is none other than John Lee, the acclaimed private investor and author of our long-running My Portfolio column. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Firstly, give us a bit of background. You've been investing for nearly 50 years and were originally inspired as a boy watching your father obsessively poring over his copies of the Investor's Chronicle. But having seen you do the same, your two grown-up daughters have not yet picked up the mantle, have they? No, they haven't, and I've come to terms with the fact that they're unlikely to be uh, over-interested. 
And having said that, they're very appreciative of the portfolio that uh, I built up for them over the years, and they enjoy the dividends and get the benefits from them, and uh, wouldn't dream of touching the capital unless you know they really were faced with one or two particular personal emergencies. But I'm not sure that I've, to be honest, tried sufficiently hard over the years, and there are ways of endeavouring to somehow generate that greater degree of interest from your offspring and one or two readers have made suggestions. Yes, well, I mean, starting off with a couple of my colleagues on the Lex team who say that they were bought shares when, in different companies when they were children, which is what sparked their own interest and lo and behold, they've ended up writing the Lex column. But one of our readers, John Horsley, has emailed you to say before his son got married, he gave him a certificate for a few shares in Whitbread and his son has said this is one of the best presents he ever received as he felt involved with the company and could use some of the perks offered because Whitbread, who own chains like Costa Coffee, will give shareholders vouchers to encourage them to go and try these things out. Maybe, he says, this idea could give food for thought to some more of our readers. Well, uh, Whitbread, of course, has been an excellent investment as well. But the more serious point of trying to get your children to invest in companies that they can identify with, companies that resonate with them, maybe through particular products that they buy, or give shareholder incentives, obviously, is one way to try and stimulate that yeah, interest. Yeah, well, I suppose my stepsons, who are both really into super dry hoodies, they're listed on the stock market. Your daughters, who are rather more upper class, may I say, might be more interested in Burberry. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure about that. But, uh, the, you know, the, the principle of, of trying to find companies with products that they understand and uh, can relate to and perhaps buy, you know, obviously is one way of doing it. And, and company before it was taken over, I'm not sure what happens now. Thornton's, for example, mm. used to give uh, vouchers for, you know, for chocolates and uh, from sweets from their, you know, from their shops. There are a whole range of companies who do offer perks, and, and that is one way of trying to enthuse. Well, another reader's suggestion, this is from EBM, writing on our website, make it a game. They say the best way to get children interested in something like investing is if you make it fun. Allocate a certain amount of modest startup capital, say a thousand pounds, and get them to manage it. Not my idea of modest. Um, mm-hmm. They can't withdraw the capital until the end of the game, but they can receive dividends or yield from it. What do you think to that one? Yes, I, well, I think the idea of letting them spend the dividends or maybe some of the profits from time to time as we go along on things that they want to spend them on obviously is also one way of encouraging. Although I have to say that in pure investment terms, I would endeavour to encourage the reinvestment of of dividends, particularly things like ISAs or junior ISAs. But in terms of trying to make investment more of a game to stimulate, possibly allowing them to to benefit uh, as, as they go along, apart from just spending the dividends, may be one way to do it. And then finally, the third reader, the Anon, also commenting on our website, suggests that we should give up. One can take a horse to water but cannot make it drink. They say, in this respect, the parents ought to truthfully answer the question whether their interest in making stock market investments was really inherited from their parents. I suspect not. Yes, I think reader has a fair point. But at the end of the day, when the Grim Reaper visits me, which I hope uh, is not too soon. Well, thank you, Claire. Thank you. 
my children will obviously be responsible for investment portfolios, for larger portfolios than they have at the present time. And one hopes that they'll be able to take sensible decisions. Now, the advantage, I think, of using a stockbroker that I do is that there is some human contact between the family, as it were, and the individual stockbroker, And that can be inherited, uh, and along that is, with the that, portfolio. And that, and that can be inherited, that relationship can be inherited. Whereas, for example, if one is just dealing on an execution-only basis and there is no human contact there to really talk to and discuss with, then uh, your children obviously ultimately will be at a disadvantage. Well, thanks very much. That was John Lee, our small-cap investing expert. If you have a query you want to put to him, you can email askjohnlee at fd.com. Finally, how would you like some free financial advice? Hundreds of chartered financial planners are offering just that as part of Financial Planning Week this week. So how could you take advantage and why might you want to? I'm joined in the FT studio by Jackie Lockie of the Chartered Institute for Securities and Investment, where she's Deputy Head of Financial Planning. Jackie, welcome to The Money Show. Thank you, Claire. So hit us with it. What is this week? Why are you doing it? It's a national initiative and it is to bring financial planning to a much wider audience across the UK. There are, I think it's 34 different firms covering the entire length and breadth of the UK, offering free one-hour sessions of free financial planning surgeries. Okay, so what kind of things might you discuss with a financial planner? How is it different from investment advice? It's different and it's not product-related. It's about your individual goals and aspirations. So it's looking forward, trying to understand you about why you do what you do, not just about the sorts of products that you have, but your concerns, your worries, your concerns for the future, for retirement, protection for ill health, for example. But generally speaking, looking forward to help you achieve what it is that you want out of life. And how a financial planner might get those answers from you was something I wrote about in my column last week after speaking to one of your colleagues. And he said to me, what would you do with your money if you died or if you knew you were going to die in a year's time? Which was a really good way of making me think about a lot of kind of emotional concerns about how I might treat my money. Yes, absolutely. And they're one of a number of different sorts of questions that planners will put to you. There's another one that says, if you knew you had five years to live, what would you do differently? How would you do things differently? And I think that there's an appreciation that there are many people out there who are trying to accumulate wealth to pass on to subsequent generations, but they are living fairly close to the breadline, living fairly frugally themselves, where actually if you had your own financial plan and you knew where you were going, what you wanted to achieve, you might be able to spend a little more, live life a little bit better than perhaps initially you first thought. And equally, you might look at your spending patterns and think, well, instead of spending some money on a lipstick because I've had a hard day at the office, I could be saving more and potentially retire earlier than it looks like I can now. Absolutely. It's what I call the Jaffa cake mentality. My favourite biscuit or cake as it is, actually. We're all tempted by things in life. And if we've had a hard week at work, you know, some friends of mine would say, "Okay, well, I'll go and treat myself to cheer myself up. Like you say, I'll buy myself a new lipstick. But some people will buy a new pair of jeans costing £45, for example. And over that, over the space of a year, you can actually spend an awful lot of money on things that make you feel good at the time, but don't actually help with your financial planning in the long run. And you could actually be better to actually think to yourself, "Okay, hang on a minute. 
Why do I want to spend this money? Do I really need it? Is it better spent elsewhere? Or am I just being tempted because I'm just kind of feeling a bit down today? And what other kind of things might you discuss with a financial planner? Your attitude to risk, how you feel about stock markets generally to help you understand how the economic world works and how that impacts the different sorts of investments that you might buy. So there are three things to think about. There is your general inbuilt attitude to risk, how you feel yourself. Then other things to think about are how much could you bear a loss Mm. So if the market suddenly shot down tomorrow, but you didn't need the money for 30 years, is that still a concern for you, even though you don't need access to it? What stops you sleeping at night? You know, what's on your mind? And then if you want to achieve certain things in the future, how much risk would you need to take with your existing portfolio in order to be able to achieve those things? And quite often what we find is that Many of us want to achieve all sorts of different things, but we don't want to take any risk with our investments that we've perhaps built up over the years. And so there's a balancing act between should we cut back on our expenditure, should we invest more, or should we take more risk in order to hopefully achieve those objectives in the long run? Sure. So for readers and listeners, if they want to find one of the practitioners offering this free service, what do they need to do? They need to go to the CISI website which is cisi.org forward slash wayfinder. And on there, there are a list of the financial planners to contact and you can arrange for dates and times to go along for free surgery. Fantastic. And some of the firms are also offering sessions over Skype if you wanted to do this digitally. Thanks very much for joining us today, Jackie. We'd love to know what you think about the buy-to-let changes, encouraging your children to invest, or money matters more generally. You can get in touch with us via email. Our address is money at ft.com, or you can tweet us at ftmoney. And you can leave comments at the foot of individual articles on our website at ft.com money. There's just time to tell you what else will feature in this weekend's issue. Would you use Facebook to buy and sell shares? And Don Ezra looks at how you can use your home to finance your retirement plans. Plus, we have the latest tips and directors' deals from Investors Chronicle. The Money Show will be back next week, but for now, it's goodbye from me and our studio guests. Goodbye. If you enjoyed listening to this, you might like to try our Hard Currency podcast presented by me, Roger Blitz, the FT's currencies correspondent. Each week, I discuss the main talking points in the markets with experts in the field. You can find our latest show at ft.com slash podcasts every Thursday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.